0: You are listening to another episode of the coaches circle podcast brought to you by lifecoachpath.com our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching wellness and mental health each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own for more information on who we are and what we do visit www.lifecoachpath.com
1: And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's guest on the show is Marissa Hendrickson. She is a licensed mental health counselor based in Seattle, Washington. Welcome to the show, Marissa.
1: Hello. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, of course. um i want to I want to give listeners a background as to who you are and the work you do. So why don't you just take us through some of that work and um, perhaps naming examples of challenges that your clients face when they approach you?
1: Sure. Um, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor, as you said. I have a private practice in Seattle, so, Clients find me mostly through Psychology Today or my website. And typically clients that come to me are, they'll say they're struggling with anxiety or depression, Um, but we often find that underneath that there's, you know, deeper childhood, either trauma or experiences of not learning to trust yourself or believe in your own knowing or your own intuition. Um, And so with my clients, I do internal family systems and we do a lot of deeper work finding the root of these problems that they're seeing come out as the symptoms of depression or anxiety.
0: Right. And actually, you, you picked up on something that I wanted to ask you as well right off the bat. So if anybody checks out your website, they'll see mm-hmm. that internal family systems theory makes up kind of the core of the yeah. work that you do. So because it is such an integral part of your work, I wanted to give you the opportunity to explain to listeners what that is and how that plays out in practice.
1: Sure. So internal family systems was created by a family therapist who did family systems therapy, and he was working with individuals and discovered that people have parts inside of them the same as you have the family system, mom, dad, siblings inside of us. We each have multiple parts that have different roles for us. So when I'm working with a client, it's similar to a guided meditation. I will direct them into kind of a dialogue with, let's say depression is the part we're working with. And we work with this protector that is the depression part. And when we get to know the depression and know where it came from and why it is functioning in that role, we often ask if it's protecting something in which we find what they call an exiled part. And the exiled parts are like trauma or negative experiences and belief systems that um, we built when We were younger, we're growing up typically, and we're able to find that usually it's a memory, um, heal that part, the client themselves, because it's all in their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, when that part is healed and they can understand that they're no longer a five year old being punished, right? They're a grown up, um, they can kind of release that burden. And then the protector part, which would be the depression. Um, kind of shifts and it doesn't need to function in the same role as it was functioning. And is that, does that kind of cover it?
0: <laughs> it does. And actually, I find this kind of formulation, I find this concept fascinating because typically, for somebody who isn't well versed in um, the science behind a lot of these psychological, um, you know, conditions, really is what you would call them, that a lot of clients come to you facing. I think it's interesting to look at depression as the example that you brought up as the protector, yeah. because in, mm-hmm. in day-to-day life, if you see that somebody is depressed, somebody who doesn't have this background would see that depression itself as the problem, you know, like, yeah. um, why can't you move on from, you know, X, Y, Z? Well, I'm depressed. Um, and so this formulation is actually looking at depression. It's flipping it on its head completely. It's looking at it as the protector. Um, so it's actually doing useful work in in the case of of, of the mind. And I want to actually ask you, so mm-hmm. if it is the protector in this example, what would happen if you removed that? Why what what, what does it need to protect from?
1: Right. So um, first I'll say that we don't remove any of our parts. They all are supportive to us. So yes, you picked up on depression is a protector and it's important to view it in that way so that you approach your parts with compassion. If you see that it's working really hard to take care of you, it's just using a maladaptive coping skill. Um, then you can approach it with compassion. And if we don't have this, um, connection to our parts, if we want them to go away, then we're not going to be successful. Um, but what you're asking is what it's protecting. So as I kind of mentioned, the there are the protector parts, which are called managers as well, and they protect exiled parts. Which again, it's typically a childhood memory or some kind of negative experience that we had. So, um, if you so for with depression, it's like if you were neglected as a child, and so you have memories of your mom ignoring you, and it just hurts so badly. Um, and so this depression part was like, well, if you stay depressed, you won't seek love that you weren't getting. And so it steps in trying to prevent you from having the feeling that you were having when your parent didn't love you. But in fact, it's just recreating that experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why you call it maladaptive. Yeah. um, Because it's actually achieving the opposite effect of what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Um, And so I guess the answer then would be, it's protecting the self against Mm. encountering that same um, trauma again, because if, if you're depressed, you're not, like you just said, you're not going to be seeking out that, that love, and therefore you're not setting yourself up for that um, disappointment or, or rejection um, outright. So am am I kind of, am I kind of getting it a little bit?
1: Yes, that's exactly what it is. And, and the protectors often take on the negative trait of the experience you were having simply because um, they're looking around their environment and they're seeing, okay, the strongest person in the room is the person who's hurting me in this way. So if I make myself feel that way, then no one else will. Right. Um, and the awesome thing about when we heal the exile and then we come back to the protector part, like depression, the protector, like I said, you never get rid of your parts, but they just shift the job that they do for you is what we call it. Um, And so if they were making you depressed, like what is the opposite of depression? And that's often what that part really wants to do. If it wants to help you seek love or help you feel joy, whatever the opposite of the role that it has been performing.
0: Right. Yeah. So I, I guess I misspoke when I used the word remove, I guess what I meant to say was if the body didn't, if the mind didn't um, generate this protective mechanism, Mm -hmm what would be the consequence the the negative result and i guess yeah. and i guess yeah the answer would be it would be unprotected from this potential of future rejection or future disappointment right. and actually i i think this approach i mean as a as a non like i'm not licensed i'm not a i'm not a therapist you know just full disclosure here so i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just hearing all this for the first time um but it seems to me that this approach has one clear benefit which is it reduce it. It kind of removes the, I guess, self demonization or the self blame. Where if somebody is feeling depressed or whatever other challenge they come to you with, it instantly reframes it as well. There's nothing wrong with me. My body is, my mind is doing what it's supposed to do. It's just not achieving the end result that I want. And so, because mm-hmm. um, I correct me if I'm wrong here, but it, I would imagine a lot of clients would come to you feeling like what's what's wrong with me like why why am i feeling this way there's something wrong in the way i'm thinking um and seeing it as a protector role i think reframes that right
1: yeah precisely it's really helpful um the founder his name is dick schwartz and so i've listened to tons of his podcasts and um, trainings so i'm just a big fan Um, (laughs) but he talks about like an alcoholic in aa you start each meeting you say i'm an alcoholic well the way we would view it is that you have an alcoholic part. And when you're trying to own that, you're letting that part run your life and you have other parts and you probably don't want the alcoholic part to be in charge all the time. Um, So instead of owning, I am depressed. And like you said, negative self-talk feeling bad about yourself. Okay. There's a part of me that's depressed and it's acting up right now. It's asking for attention.
0: Right. That's, I, I mean, I'm not just saying this, cause I'm talking to you, but I I think this whole idea is, is beautiful. And actually as a, I'm not a counselor, like I said, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I was a psych major. So I did read a lot of, um, you know, scientific texts in the area of psychology. And I, I have kind of a semi understanding of a lot of these ideas. And, um, I think this is for some reason, I don't think I ever came across this one, but I think it can be really useful for, for, for clients. Um, Who might be doing that negative self-talk.
1: So it came around like in the 80s. And they say that the field is at least 20 years behind research (laughs) that's being discovered. Um, So really in the 2000s is when it started getting a little mainstream. I, you know, I went to graduate school like four plus years ago. And I had not heard about it until last year when my therapist happened to be an IFS therapist. And I was like, sure, I'll try it. And I immediately had to start doing it because I was like, this has changed my life. It makes perfect sense. I've never heard of anything like it apart mm-hmm. from shamanism, and it was <laughs> yeah. great.
0: Yeah, no, I can I can see that. I graduated in 2010, and um, I I mean i never came across it. So I think you're right. It has to be at least 20 years behind, and it's yeah. kind of a shame because people mm-hmm. are struggling with these with these challenges now. And I feel like the science should be um, much more caught up than that. But I guess that's a topic yes. for a different podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, I want to I want to shift over to I guess more the focal um point of the mm-hmm. podcast itself, which is coaching. So, how do you think your work as as a counselor compares to the work that coaches are doing today? Obviously, it, it is similar but very different in some mm-hmm. very important ways. So, I wanted your take on on the difference between the two approaches and what you feel would be the pros and cons of each.
1: Okay. So I've been doing some research into this lately. And what I found on the internet that they said the big differences, right, are that coaching is directive and future oriented and therapy, um, you might be doing more trauma work or focusing on the past or deeper things um, that have come up. And I know in my work with previous therapists I've had, um, I tend to be very directive and set a lot of goals, and want to help people make change. And so I've been told before, well, it sounds like you should be a coach. You do a lot more coaching. Um, I also didn't feel uh, confident working with trauma or deep past stuff because with mostly a CBT background from grad school, I just didn't have the resources to do that. Mm -hmm. Now learning internal family systems, I feel very confident working with trauma. I feel confident working with pretty much any disorder because IFS has been shown, it can treat pretty much anything because we don't view it as there's something wrong with you. It's that there's a part that can be shifted. Um, And the other thing that I find encouraging is that from what I've seen, you can become an IFS facilitator without being a master's degree counselor. So there are people who just become facilitators because they're passionate about the work. You don't have to be a therapist. So that also encourages me that like transitioning into doing more coaching, um, I could continue doing this work that I'm passionate about.
0: Interesting. So what you're saying is that somebody could get certified as a coach um, and they can still incorporate the IFS philosophy into their work.
1: That's my understanding from when I first got into IFS and I was doing research about like level one certificates or, um, like I was looking for YouTube examples. I wanted to watch more sessions and the longest, like the one full hour session I found was by someone who called himself an IFS facilitator. And there was no indication that he was a therapist. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, well, so if you do approach, if you do, you know, incorporate, I should say coaching Mm -hmm. into your practice in the future, um, I that actually brings me to kind of my next topic. I, I want to just explore the idea of incorporating coaching into mm-hmm. a therapy practice versus keeping them separate. So I, I've spoken to therapists that are on two on both sides of the aisle here. Yeah. So some therapists are very clear that therapy is therapy, coaching is coaching, and you shouldn't mix them because they are they're very different issues. They're very different approaches and it just keeps things neater to keep them separate. Whereas other mm-hmm. coaches and other therapists kind of don't even understand why the you difference. would, well, it's, <laughs> they, they, they don't see the purpose of mm-hmm. separating the two because in the end it's one client who, yes, at the start of the relationship, they need the therapy approach because there are some deep seated issues that need to be resolved first But then once you are brought to baseline, why Mm. not incorporate that coaching philosophy? So I guess I wanted to get your perspective on how a therapist could incorporate both if you think that's even appropriate at all.
1: Yeah, Um, I like that you said it's more neat to keep them separate. Um, From what I've been looking into, again, I think it's really legal um, whether people actually separate the two, I think legally and their jargon and what they put out publicly has to say that they're separate, um, due to licensing bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that they should be probably not right? Because if you have, uh, one set of skills, like I am a trained therapist, just because I start coaching, I'm no, not no longer a trained therapist. Um, and I think that is where people get concerned or, um, struggle with how they can incorporate them. Cause for instance, like I am, since I have a license, even if I'm coaching, uh, technically within Washington state, I'm going to be working under my license and I'm still held to all of those standards.
0: Interesting. This um, might be a state by state mm-hmm. thing, because yeah. I can tell you firsthand, the majority of therapists that I've spoken to that have been practicing for, I'm talking like 20, 20, 30 years plus, they say, yeah, I incorporate coaching in my work every single day. And it's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. they're licensed therapists. So um, I'm not sure if this is a nationwide thing. There might be a state by state basis. Yeah.
1: And it might be also the 20, 30 year thing, right? Because 20, 30 years ago, life coaching wasn't even a field, Mm -hmm. right? It was more like, you could say you're a life coach, or I don't really know. I know about the counseling field. And even the counseling field is trying to develop what they're calling portability, um, so that our licenses can move more easily from state to state. Cause that's another reason a lot of counselors I know get into coaching is that, um, you can just serve more people. There's not the limitations of right. staying in the state and following all the rules. But I, I agree with what you're saying, what the other counselors said, I definitely use coaching. That's what, um, my one therapist who told me, it sounds like you're a coach because <laughs> of the, the format that I use and how directive I typically am. I do think it comes out in our work all the time, but it's kind of like, as a counselor, there are so many boundaries and requirements. And I think if anything, counselors are resentful about that life coaches can do the same thing with freedom.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it too. Um and I think what's happening as well is that in the age of COVID and everything being remote, you know, it yeah. just it just pushes the incentive to go beyond your state boundaries even more, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um and so I think that's only going to be a benefit for the coaching world moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's also just the natural evolution of mental health professionals, I guess, as a, as a general blanket term. You know, I, I think the idea of a therapist who sits their client down on a couch and just talks <laughs> for 30 minutes, I think that doesn't even yeah. exist anymore. No. You know, it's a very antiquated. But if you actually ask people that aren't in the field, what, what is a therapy session like? That's probably more or less what they're going to tell you. That's yeah. that's kind of the current understanding Um and that doesn't exist anymore i mean i've spoken to enough coaches and therapists at this point all across the country sometimes i just actually just spoke to a counselor in ireland earlier today and so it's really spreading across the world Mm -hmm. this this idea of a blend between therapy and coaching and um, i'm glad to see it because i i personally don't see a reason why they have to be kept completely separate i mean yeah it might be neater that way. But in the end, if you have a tool that's useful, and I'm talking about coaching tools here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's backed by science, and it works, mm-hmm. then why not use it? Right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a little bit on my soapbox now. So I'm going to step yeah. off.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I was going to say, you know, um, a big part of your podcast, right, is how do people decide should they be a life coach or a counselor or whatever other role?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and my belief would be what is your intention what are you excited about um so if you're excited about like jungian psychology or you know whatever um go do that program right but just like i said like my passion now is ifs and i could technically have become an ifs facilitator without going to graduate school and i think if you took three levels of ifs training you'd be just as competent as someone who did a graduate program and then did three levels of ifs training So when you're really looking into going into the field, if you have a passion, just follow that passion. You know, Don't think, oh, I need to have a master's degree or I need to have this license to be able to do the work. Well, is that license focused on the topic that you love? Like you were mentioning Mm -hmm. basically psychoanalytic with the couch. Mm -hmm. If you wanna be, like if you love psychoanalysis, yes, you're gonna need to go get a master's or a doctorate for 10 years, right? But if psychoanalysis isn't your passion, then, and what's your passion is like, you know, goal-oriented, directed coaching or some other focus, because I've looked, there are so many coaching programs with different focuses. And it's like, why would you not do that if it's going to set you up to succeed and do the work that you want to do?
0: Right. So in other words, let your natural inclinations and your natural, you know, philosophy on, Mm -hmm. on how you think the mind works and what can be effective for clients, let that lead the way and let that dictate all the educational stuff, the training stuff that you'll need to actually become a practicing professional in that school of thought, right? Yes, So exactly. Focus
1: on um, what's guiding you, not, I think we get so caught up in, well, society, approves of higher education or society will only accept me if I do this thing or people expect me to do this one path. Right. And and it's not as important what everyone else thinks. It's focusing inside and like, what do you think is going to get you where you want to be?
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great lesson. Um, so I, I want to also focus on another common challenge that uh, young coaches or young therapists will face. And that is the unknown. So obviously everybody knows intuitively what the, the, the plus side of doing this kind of work is, you know, having a client that, you know, comes into your, into your office or on a zoom meeting, however you do it. Um, and they're depressed or they have relationship issues or, or issues with their career transition, whatever, whatever the case may be, and seeing them through to the end, Changed or improved in some, you know, quantifiable metric of some kind, but what a lot of young aspiring coaches don't know is what can kind of go wrong or what the, or what the challenge is the biggest challenges could be that's the part that they don't advertise like no no yeah. training program is going to tell you that this is all the stuff that can go wrong this is all the pitfalls that you'll have so that's also one of the purposes of the podcast is to mm-hmm. keep it real for lack of a better phrase like let's let's actually look at the whole picture here thorns and all so that's my question to you what has been one of the most significant challenges you know ideally an unforeseen challenge that you've had to contend with and how have you worked throughout your your time and your practice to, to overcome that?
1: Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. Some are counseling specific, so I, I'll leave those off. But um, I think something I struggle personally a lot with is money. And so clients not showing up for appointments and, mm-hmm. you know, having a cancellation policy and actually following through with
0: it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody Um, wants to do that, but it's, it's necessary. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. And that is honestly one of my biggest challenges. And then also um, that kind of ties in with scheduling. So it's like you do a consultation with a client, everything goes great. So you do an intake and then what if they don't show up next week, but now you've held this spot for them, you also need to be getting new clients and how long do you hold the spot when they've shown from the start, they can be flaky. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so having firm boundaries around charging so that they won't just keep holding the spot and missing appointments or seeing, okay, well, if you can't make this appointment, I'm going to remove you from my schedule. Those kind of boundaries have been really challenging for me because I just want to help people and I want to be accessible to them.
0: Yeah. So that that last part was exactly what I was going to say. If you get into this field, hopefully, right, your yeah. underlying... Mission, your underlying purpose for doing this is to help people. Why else would you be doing this? I'd be concerned Mm -hmm. if that weren't your primary goal. And so, somebody who has a natural disposition, as clearly you do, to be of service to others, how can you reconcile that natural tendency with, okay, you know what? I have to have some kind of consequence if you're not going to hold up your end of the bargain. And um, so, not only is that difficult, but it's actually, I think, beneficial to the client to have. That mm-hmm. in place because you have to have some skin in the game here, right? This is a challenge yeah. that I've heard a lot of coaches mention that they're. It's not like you said it's coaches and and therapists both. You know, I think it it makes it more of an effective, transformative relationship with the client if the client feels that there is some degree of accountability on their end and it's not just like I'll show up whenever I want. If I don't yeah. show up, nothing bad will happen or come from it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, absolutely, I, I do think that is a challenge a lot of coaches face. Um, so you mentioned there were a few that were therapy related. And I, I think that's OK, because not everybody listening will eventually go down the coaching path. So if you want to go ahead okay. and share those, that's that's also perfectly fine.
1: Well, then I have two more that came to mind. One, like I said, therapy related and the other very coaching related, I think. Um, so the therapy one is insurance. <laughs> mm. Um, I did decide to take insurance when I was starting out because marketing was just not my thing. Networking was very challenging for me. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just take insurance. It'll make it easier, which it has in a lot of ways. Um, But, well, this is probably another one of my boundaries that I need to work on. I'm I'm not on everyone's insurance panel, but then I will um, do courtesy billing for people I'm not on. And so chasing those insurers around or you know, being owed $2,000 and not noticing and then having to like call and it taking months and months and months to get payments. Um, that is something that is why I, inten- I intended not to take insurance going into private practice, but um, that yeah. would not be a coaching issue. And that's something in the future I'm looking at. Um, but then the other biggest issue that came to mind for me is that clients don't do their homework.
0: Hmm.
1: And I feel like that's pretty related to coaching that I think you know, Absolutely. Yeah. in coaching, there's a lot of like, this is the goal we're trying to reach and these are the steps to get there. And you have to be making, you have to take part in those steps. You can't just see me once a week and change. Um, and so reconciling, cause I put a lot of pressure on myself that like I need to be helping my clients. And so if I see them changing, then, you know, I'm doing well at my job. Um, So when they come week after week after week and nothing has shifted, I get hard, like I get down on myself, but recognizing, well, they haven't done anything between sessions. They're not doing any personal work. They're not following through on the homework, which I always set homework with like asking them, what are you going to do for yourself this week? So they choose it and it's like 99% self-care based. And they still like don't find time to do that or to make that change. I'm like, this is why you're not, Progressing, and so being able to sit in that kind of like frustration or feeling stagnant yourself when you see like I'm pouring all this energy out and they're not necessarily picking it up.
0: Right. Yeah. So (laughs) I think the, the the last two challenges that you just brought up were just so innate to what what most therapists and coaches go through. So if you if you decide that your chosen vocation in life is going to be to study and get licensed and put in all the work to help others clearly you're Mm -hmm. somebody who um well for lack of a better phrase and i haven't cursed on the show before but you know (laughs) what you have your shit together you know like you (laughs) you you know what you're doing (laughs) you want to make a change and um you know what it takes to get there and so Mm -hmm. on the other end if you're if you're a client uh if, if you need to seek out a therapist it doesn't mean that you are lazy or anything like that, but clearly there are some issues going on that impede your ability to um, to have all your, you know, T's crossed and I's dotted, so to speak. So there's going to be a natural disconnect there, you know, mm. um, and I think that disconnect is exactly what you're describing. And with regards to the insurance, I mean, me and you, I think, suffer from the same thing. We're, we're, t- we're too nice. And yeah, so yes. <laughs> that is, a, and I know it's kind of a humble brag, but you know what, it, it's totally true because... And in the, in the case of therapists, it can actually be a detriment to, Mm -hmm. and you, you just, you know, spoke about that. Um, It can, it can be counterproductive to, to be that way. My grandma always told me, don't be so nice. And uh, (laughs) it's, it's good advice, I think at times, but, um, but yeah, Marissa, so this was, this was really informative. I, I love the perspective you gave on both sides, the, the you know, therapist side, and also you're looking to incorporate coaching. So you were mm-hmm. exactly um, the perspective that, that I was hoping to get onto the show. So, right. so yeah, thank you so much, so much for your time. I want to give uh, listeners a chance to find out more about you and find out more about um, the IFS system that, that, I mean, just blew my mind and I hope is doing <laughs> the same for, for listeners. Yeah. So go ahead and share that with everybody.
1: Um, sure. So my website is Marissa Hendrickson, and that's M-A-R-I-S-A, um, H-E-N-D-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, L-M-H-C. So Licensed Mental Health Counselor dot um, And on there, I have, I talk a little bit about IFS. I have some other resources for some spirituality um, that I'm into, but it can help you definitely. Um, I quote the founder, so you can definitely take his name and IFS and go do more research, um, and find out it's just, yeah, a mind-blowing therapy for sure.
0: Yeah. If we had more time, cause I, I wanted to get to the spirituality aspect as well, mm, because I know okay. that <laughs> that's a big part of your practice too. Um, but, but what, what you've shared, uh, so far has, has been excellent. So again, I thank you for your time and, um, everybody go check out the website, go check out her work and, uh, yeah, we will be in touch Marissa. Thanks again.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com slash podcast. See you on the next one.